I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 57. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week's song, Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns, was released in 2005, but it still plays on the radio. And when one of my listeners, Skylar, requested the song last week, I didn't even hesitate. But as I was researching the story behind the song this week, I kind of do that every week. Sometimes I share it with you, sometimes I don't. But I learned uh, this week that Mark Hall, the lead singer of Casting Crowns, wrote the song after really connecting, meeting and connecting with this little girl named Erin. And I'm going to link to the interview with Mark. Uh, There there was an interview that he had done for a radio station, and they posted it on YouTube. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes It was a really powerful interview, and it's really worth listening to uh, when you have a chance. And uh, you can also find videos on YouTube of Erin giving her testimony in her own words, too. But Erin had cancer that got healed, but eventually cancer returned to her body, and and she died. And Mark and the band had a special relationship with her and her mom, and he was actually in the midst of writing this song for her when she died, and so she never really got to hear it. So the song is written with Erin in mind and also kind of that great faith that Mark saw in her mom as she kind of walked through this process. But the song itself was released on the radio just as Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. And although I live about 100 miles from Louisiana, I'll tell you this, the tragedy of Katrina affected our state in a profound way. And really it's For us in Louisiana, it's Katrina and Rita, because just weeks later, Rita hit um, Katrina's to the east of me and Rita hit to the to the west of me. And um, our state really suffered during that time. And this song really became part of the soundtrack of our lives. I mean, people were listening to it and talking about how profound it was as if the song were written for us during this season. And then Mark Mark actually mentioned that in this interview that I'm going to link to in the show notes. But he talks about how ma- amazing this was to him because God knew in advance how he planned to use the song. And then he goes on to say that although he walked with Aaron and her mother Lori through her tragedy, he said, you know, we're amazing in our advice and it gets real when it's you. And then he kind of got choked up and talked about the fact that he and his wife um, adopted a little girl named Hope from China. And I think she's got some physical needs. And and so this song took on a whole new meaning all over again for him. And I was really thinking about that this week as I was considering my podcast. I think that's true of the the very nature of this podcast. I've mentioned before that Although I've reviewed at this point, this is episode 57, so 56 songs because the first episode was just kind of the story behind 
how I even kind of came up with even doing the podcast. But, uh, you know, when Skylar listens to this song this week, he's thinking of what the song means to him. And it was powerful enough to become part of the soundtrack of his life. And he wanted to know where I would go with it as it relates to God's word. And I can almost bet it ministered to him in a very specific way. And, of course, God uses one song to to mean so much to so many, no matter the songwriter's original intent. And just like Mark explained, he was just, you know, of course, he wrote it with Aaron in mind, becomes the part of the soundtrack of, of the lives of people who went through hurricanes, Katrina and Rita. And then, you know... And then it lives on and on because it's continuing to be played and people are continuing to be ministered by it. I'm sure he thought of those very words as he recently went through his own um, struggle with cancer and he had a kidney removed and all of that. So, again, his original intent, the songwriter, but God had bigger plans for it, ongoing plans. So if we can understand that, you're like, okay, I get that. A A song can mean something different to different people at different seasons of their life. It shouldn't be that big of a leap for us to understand that that's really how God's word is for us. You know, Hebrews tells us that God's word is alive. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So as we're considering that a song is very meaningful to us, depending on our circumstances, but when you take that to the the depth that God's word is alive and powerful and can cut through, it can cut through our mess. It can rightly divide your storm to expose your innermost thoughts and desires so that eventually we can take those thoughts captive. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So the word of God slices through and and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires so that we can then take those captive uh, in obedience to Christ. But how do we do that? How do we take every thought captive? And really it ends up being by surrendering to God and allowing him to change the way we think. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think from the inside out. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So again, this living word of God, this is why I'm so passionate about you uh, getting in there uh, and reading it for yourself. Don't just listen to podcasts. Don't just listen to sermons and, and don't just do that drive by, you know, devotional one verse a day kind of scenario. You got to get in there so that the word of God can slice through, expose your thoughts. So you can take them captive and so that you can eventually change the way you think so that you'll be changed from the inside out. Now, there's a lot of scripture tucked into this song that we're going to use this week, and we are going to get to much of it. But if I'm going to change the way I think, then I must really see examples of the ideal. So not so that I can ever claim to be perfect, but so that I can continue to make imperfect progress toward the life that God has for me. So again, so if I'm going to look at, at, at scripture, who is more ideal than Christ himself? So uh, although Mark Hall was thinking of Aaron when he penned the words, 
I actually want us to consider Christ as we listen to the lyrics of the song this week. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. So at the end of the prayer, at the amen, sometimes God doesn't calm the storm the way we hoped. And if you don't think that Jesus, remember I said I want you to consider Christ, and you're probably wondering where I'm going with this, but Jesus, uh, um, he kind of hoped that God would figure out some other way to save the world. And if you disagree with me, then you've never really read the story of his prayer when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because in in Mark chapter 14, it, it says that Jesus said to them, and he's talking to his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, Jesus fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Now, Jesus was experiencing a storm, (laughs) a storm in his own life. He knew what was coming. He knew he was going to have to be tortured and that he was going to die, and he even knew why, but it still caused him great grief and sorrow. And his prayer was so earnest that God would find another way that he checked on his disciples three times during his prayer session. Mark says that he prayed the same thing, lifted the same prayer to God with sorrow. Luke says he he sweat drops of blood during this prayer. That's how um, physiologically it affected him. That's how deep his agony and his sorrow was within. He was in a great storm of his soul. And the thing that we'll never really comprehend is that he's fully God and fully man. But the man Jesus did not want to go through the storm. You know, he was in agony of soul and spirit before he ever had to endure the agony of torture and death. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. When storms rage in our spirits, it's difficult to hear God. You know, this. our song says, uh, as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. Now, in his agony, was God's voice like a whisper? Do you think God was just whispering to his son? I don't know that it was a whisper as much as it's hard to hear him when the storm of our life is thundering in our ears. So it's not so much that God is whispering, but that our circumstances are so loud, it's difficult for us to to hear him clearly. So do you think that perhaps our circumstances or our storms have the capacity to begin to make us believe that God's character has changed because of our circumstances? So if we continue, that's a question uh, that I really want to ponder, because if we look at Christ, 
we continue to consider Christ, we see him later on hanging on the cross and crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, how can that be? How can Jesus ask, or how can he say, why have you forsaken me? Because in the Old Testament, God promised over and over and over again that he would never leave us or forsake us. So I don't think that he's going to change his mind that he was like, oh, except in this case, then I'm going to go ahead and forsake. And, and I don't think that his character has changed, but I do believe, this is what I believe, that the storm was so great and the agony so severe that Jesus, the man, felt like God had forsaken him. And sometimes our circumstances are so deafening that it renders God's voice to barely a whisper. Now, the, the, the words the God who gives and takes away from our lyrics says, um, As your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the, God, praise the God who gives and takes away. Now, that comes straight from Job, the book of Job. And I want to describe to you um, what was happening here. If you've never read Job, um, he was considered a godly man. And uh, it, uh, I want you to read it because it's kind of an interesting story. But basically, Satan approaches God's throne and asks uh, if he could do some cause cause Job some harm so that uh, he says, oh, yeah, Job serves you because. You're so good to him and he has all these blessings. You take all that away and he's not going to serve you faithfully anymore. He's going to curse you. And so God says, we'll go ahead and test him. And so Job is sitting there and um, there was messenger after messenger after messenger. It's just a normal day. Gets up, gets dressed, goes, hangs out and does whatever he does every day. And then all of a sudden you see messengers coming and his property is destroyed and something else is destroyed until finally the last messenger came and said, all of your children were all dining together at, at one of the siblings house and their house was destroyed and they are all dead. So your normal day comes crashing in and this is where Job is and all of his possessions and his children, all of this has been destroyed and in great grief, He cries out. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise be the name of the Lord. Now, this does not mean that Job did not doubt, grieve, question, wrestle, or suffer. Because if you continue to read the whole book of Job, you will see that he did all of those things. But in in spite of the storm... He chose to praise. That is mind-boggling to me because I'm not sure that I'm mature enough to be able to, in the middle of, a, of a, that amount of tragedy, be able to turn and praise. How, will we raise our hands and praise the God who gives and takes away? Mark Hall talks about it in, in that interview that I really want you to watch. Um, He says that we're situational worshipers. You know, when we're in God's word and everything's going great and, you know, we can praise God and and whatever. But when that storm comes, that's so severe and causes such agony. Will we be so full of God's word and so um, right with him that we will be able to, to even in our grief and wrestling and sorrow, turn and praise him, trusting that his plan is greater 
than our individual circumstances. My strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through. I want to give you some comfort because you can have comfort that your Messiah can relate to whatever storm you're going through. Um, Hebrews chapter four says that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now, I just want to, again, reiterate the fact that Jesus wanted out. He wanted any other option. His strength, like the lyric, his strength was almost gone. But he yielded, he surrendered, he trusted, and he praised God through the storm that ultimately led to your salvation and mine. So he suffered. He really did. And I think sometimes we read through that and we just, we we don't realize that that's part of how he relates to us. He has gone through great tragedy and suffering of soul and spirit and agony and, uh, it, just like us, he can understand our weaknesses because he faced the same testings that we do. I live my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That is Psalm 121. And so the lyrics in the bridge, when you're singing these words uh, in this bridge, you are singing the very words of the Bible. And that's one of my favorite things about Christian music is when you have the opportunity to sing the very words of Scripture in the lyrics. You are truly, truly hiding God's word in your heart as you're able to sing those lyrics. So don't forget to take the next step. Read those lyrics in context. I just read all of Psalm 121 to you. It's just eight verses. So spend some time there. Read it for yourself. Look at the words. Use it as a prayer to God. Praise him in the storm. What do you say? Well, praise him for making heaven and earth. Praise him for being our keeper. Praise him for being our help. Praise him for the promise to keep us from evil. Praise him for keeping our life. When we lift our eyes, like our Savior did, to his Father in the garden, in prayer, we can ask him to calm the storm because even Jesus did that. 
in, in, in the very most important storm of all eternity, he asked him to calm the storm. But may we also make imperfect progress toward the pattern of our Savior to surrender to God's will, even in the midst of our agony. So what's next? Well, considering that Easter is upon us, I think spending some time in scriptures highlighting the last days of Jesus's life and kind of into his resurrection would be a great start. Uh, You can consider his time in the garden as you listen to this song on your playlist. You can meditate on the psalm of praise in Psalm 121. Again, it's just eight short verses. But in addition to that, I've created a resource this week that I would like to share with you. It actually takes Psalm 22, and it gives you some cross-references in the Old and New Testament. Because if you've ever read Psalm 22, it really points to the crucifixion of Christ. It starts out with that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, uh, that I alluded to earlier. So it's just one more resource that I want to make available to you. You can access that resource through the show notes, michellekneesat.com forward slash 57. Or if you want to access that right away, just go to michellekneesat.com forward slash 57 download and you'll you'll go right to the page where you can um, get that resource. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook. Let's talk about what you're learning. Or you can leave a comment on this week's show notes, michellekneesat.com forward slash 57. Just a few quick announcements before we leave today. I want to personally thank you for listening with a gift. I don't want you to have any excuses for not having God's word front and center every day. So just log on to my website at michellekneesat.com, subscribe with your name and email address, and I will email you memory verse resources each week to display on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop, or print out and place in the best location for you. It is just a small token of my thanks and hopefully a useful tool to you. And I want to shout out to Shannon from Arkansas and Allie from Michigan. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe to it in iTunes. And while you're there, would you mind leaving me a written review and a star rating? It encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Hawk Nelson's Drops in the Ocean to lead us back to God's Word. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 57. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's Word and consider his ways.